0: This show is part of the retrozap.com podcast network. Today's episode is brought to you by T Public. Head over to the Animaniacast Tee Public store by visiting teepublic.animaniacast.com. You'll see a collection of Animaniacs, Pinky the Brain, Freakazoid, Tiny Toons, Star Wars, and Disney Designs, all selected by the host of this show. And welcome everybody to episode 85 of the Animaniacast.
1: Vanilla, chocolate, strawberry, mint, rocky road, and something cherry. Chocolate chip and bubble gum and cup or cone. I'll take some. French vanilla, mocha, coffee, butter, pecan, English coffee. Walnut, peanut, butter, cup, or a sherbet. Fill me up. Sundays, we make on Mondays. With butterscotch, with cream and cherry. Not so fast. Go, no, what's your hurry? Toppings, pile on the top toppings. With gumdrops, cookies, and a jimmy. I want it. Please give me, give me.
2: There's no song like this in the movie.
1: I know, but we got hungry.
2: Double dip for me, strawberry.
1: Marble fudge and cappuccino, cream and cookies. That one's Kino! Cheesecake Neapolitan! You can have it! Yes, so can! Now we've sung you every flavour, which one would you like to savour? One more thing to set its fame, we forgot to tell its name. So we speak, is ice cream!
0: And welcome once again to the Cast. We are the only podcast out there dedicated to the animated television series Animaniacs. And here we explore the series episode by episode. Talking about all those cultural references and gags. And in the end, we give each episode a Water Tower rating. I am Joey. And joining me, as always, in Los Angeles is my brother Nathan...
2: I'm just the same old heroine. (laughs) (laughs) And across the country in Georgia, it's Kelly. I met Belle.
0: She did. This is very apropos, as they say. Or apropos, as Scott would say. Kelly just went and met Belle over at which con was this again?
3: It was an Atlanta comic convention, which um, is a new convention that came to Atlanta. So I saw her on the guest list, and so we went.
0: There we are. And Jim Cummings was so Jim Cummings. There? Cummings. Yeah.
3: So, and, and Linda Larkin as Jasmine.
0: Ah, ha, ha, ha. Very appropriate since today we're of course talking about yet another Disney parody that Animaniacs <laughs> did. <laughs> uh, called Jocahontas. Uh, and also episode 85 includes, uh, an episode that sounds like a, a movie, Boys in the Hood, called Boyd's in the Hood. Um, and, uh, of course, there's Mighty Wacko at the Bat instead of, uh, you know, Casey at the Bat. Well, uh, folks, what do you think? In, in a few words, if someone were to ask you about this episode, what would you tell them about episode 85 of Animaniacs? Nathan?
2: Um, it reminded me of Rugrats at one point. It certainly did. <laughs> <laughs> and, Kelly, what about you?
3: It it was really heavy with the Disney references.
0: It sure, sure was. And this is our <laughs> second one in a row, so uh mm-hmm. but uh before we get into all of that, um let's talk about something that we got in the mail. Ooh, mail call. Give us the listener mail theme song, Nathan. It's the listener theme song
2: Wait, what's the talk? What?
0: That's perfect. Well, Thank you so okay, much. Okay, that's
2: good. I forgot what, what it was already called. Yeah, exactly. Something about mailbags or yeah, theme songs? Bag, or...
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we got an email from Mike Westfall, and he said, Hi, Joey. I found this. I had stored away, and I wanted to know if you wanted it. You guys would give it a better, more prominent home than I have. It's a booklet of promotional material an old coworker had passed on to me a while back he worked in a local tv station for decades and kept this in remarkably good condition. Let me know if any of you would uh, would like this and give it a good home. And I said, "Absolutely," because he showed me a bunch of pictures. Basically, this is a a big booklet. It's huge. It's a let me see, how many I'm going to estimate how many inches this would be. Uh it's one, two. It's two of my hands. So I don't know, somebody come over here and measure my
2: hand I don't know how much that is It's big
0: <laughs> I'm gonna guess. What is
2: it compared to an eight, 8 and a half by 11 sheet paper? Okay uh, One of those
0: <laughs> Let's see, I got an 8 by 10 It's 10,
2: I'm gonna say it's uh,
0: 14 inches Or 16 inches tall That's pretty tall Pretty big It's about mm-hmm. ten, 10 inches across So, uh, yeah 16 by 10, something like that Anyway, it's it's big, it's big, it's a big giant booklet, and uh, in it, it gives a bunch of promotional information for uh, people back in 1993 when Warner Brothers was, you know, trying to get you know local stations to run Animaniacs instead of just you know reruns of Tiny Toons and that's it. Uh, they would say, "Hey, here's the Animaniac show, and this is what it's all about, and this is why you should run it." So. Uh, I think before we get into today's episode, we're going to read off a little bit of what is included in this. So, I'm going to go ahead and open this up here, and as I open this big packet open, there's a giant, and I'll take a picture of this and put it in the show notes, a pop-up water tower. So, it's a pop-up book, too, and it has pictures all throughout it, uh, kind of, uh, some pictures of, uh, Animaniacs, uh sketches, like models of what they what the characters look like. And then in the foreground they have pictures of, uh, looks like a lot of shots of the big candy store and a shot here from Dracula Dracula and a shot from Cookies for Einstein. And it says the following. Steven Spielberg presents Animaniacs. What happens when you mix the wackiness of Warner Brothers animation with the style of Steven Spielberg? Beat wildly for 65 half-hours and serve on the hottest children's network around, you get a heaping helping of zany fun, Animaniacs. Animaniacs, the latest, greatest, wildest whimsy to come from Warner Brothers and Steven Spielberg, introduces a unique collection of animated characters, the likes of whom have never been seen, in a no-holds-barred, half-hour series of outrageous thrills, Irreverent, lunacy, and merry mischief. The stars of the show are none other than the Warner Brothers themselves and the Warner Sister. Yakko Warner, Wacko Warner, and Dot Warner are the inseparable siblings whose goals in life involve having a great time and standing up to uppity, unreasonable adults. The Warner Brothers and their sister Dot were created some 50 years ago by an eccentric and gifted animator at Termite Terrace, and then deemed too, and then deemed far too zany to be let loose on an unsuspecting public. As such, they were immediately locked away in the Warner Brothers Warner Tower, where had they where they have lived for nearly half a century. Until now. Now, in nineteen ninety three, Yakko, Wacko, and Dot escaped the con- their confines and regularly run amok, dishing out their own brand of frenzied comic madness, pouncing on the pompous, reviling the rude, baffling the bossy, righting wrongs, and wronging rights. Joined by an extraordinary supporting cast, Yakko, Wacko, and Dot are just the right spice to complete Animaniacs' recipe for light-hearted laughter and frivolous fun. Boy, that was a tongue twister right there. <laughs> um... But a pretty cool uh, uh, intro right there to <laughs> the characters of uh, Yakko, Wacko, and Dot. It then goes on to show some of the supplementary characters. So you turn the page and then it shows, you know, Rita and Runt and Pinky and the Brain, Slappy, uh, the Hip Hippos, etc. It says, Animaniacs is a new half hour Fully animated series that will premiere on the Fox Children's Network in September 1993, airing Monday through Friday in the afternoon. The new show represents yet another remarkable collaboration of Warner Brothers Animation and Steven Spielberg's Amblin Entertainment. Animaniacs features a wide variety of original new characters. In addition to the star hosts, Yakko Wacko and Dot Warner, Animaniacs features a wide variety of original new characters. In addition to the star hosts, Yakko, Wacko, and Dot Warner, Animaniac's features Rita and Runt, a homeless cat and dog, Mindy, a precocious four year old and her protective dog buttons, the Good Feathers, three pigeons who hit the streets in search of food, status, and respect, Pinky and the Brain, two lab mice with grand plans to take over the world, the Hip Hippos, the ultimate hip yuppie couple and Slappy Squirrel, a sassy female cartoon star of the 30s and 40s who is still pursued by villains, to name but a few. In the new series, each half-hour episode has its own theme, and the three or four cartoons comprising an episode all relate to the same theme. While the series' graphic design represents the finest classic animation, its approach and development of story material is as contemporary as today. So when I read that, I thought, ooh, Nathan, that's what you like. That's what you like in their Animaniacs episodes is the ones with theme. And that was one of their goals right there. It looks like that's great. Yeah. <laughs> so it goes on from there. And after this, we have some sheets of, uh, stuff. And, uh, I went ahead and scanned some of this stuff and sent it over to, uh, Nathan and Kelly so they could read it because unfortunately, uh, Mike only had one of these. So. Uh for any listeners who have additional uh you know kits to uh <laughs> to send us uh just you uh, know you know send us an email uh, we'll appreciate it No, <laughs> but seriously, Nathan, uh why don't you go ahead and read what it says here I guess under the the character profiles is that the first sheet we have?
2: That's the first one I have. All
0: right. What does it say under character profiles?
2: Well, okay. It says, who in the blazes are the Animaniacs? I mean, clearly, they have never been anything like them before. And for good reason. Animaniacs were too wild, too whacked out, too off the wall to be unleashed on young, unsuspecting audiences until 1993. Now, according to Dr. Spock, kids are ready for anything. They've seen it all, except animaniacs. As their name implies, animaniacs are the most unique, fresh bunch of nuts ever to fall from the prolific uh, and creative trees of Warner Brothers animation and Steven Spielberg's Amblin Entertainment. The stars of Animaniacs are the Warner Brothers. No, not Jack, Harry, or Sam, but Yakko, Wacko, and Dot, the Warner sister. These three inseparable siblings were created by an unnamed animator who crossed over the edge during their creation in the 40s. Well, I mean, the 30s. Yeah, but, exactly. uh, uh, but Whatever.
0: <laughs> and, 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 we know, and we found out his name later in the thing, but whatever, whatever. Yeah, we, we, we,
2: we um, studio. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Studio chiefs immediately recognized the Warner siblings for the terrible threat they were and confined them in the Warner Brothers water tower Through five decades and three regimes, the Warner Brothers remained the studio's number one corporate secret. Recently, however, the terrible Troika, Troika, what, managed (laughs) to escape their confines. Running rampant around the lot, they created chaos, bugging stars, pitching their scripts, and hitting up producers for roles. The two production executives and a major star insisted on new contracts while the studio's se- uh, secreta- uh, security chief put in for a faster bicycle. What? That's just... I don't even know. Okay. But alas, nobody can catch them. Now they regularly escape and run amok everywhere, jumping into wild and zany episodes with a fabulous assortment of other wonderful and unique characters. Woo! I gotta find out who wrote this. I gotta... <laughs>
0: Text. Right, I, I got to send this over to Tom and go. Do you know who wrote this stuff? Because there's, it's, there's superfluous, information in there for sure. <laughs> it is it is it is interesting. This promotional stuff is interesting. That's for sure. Um, by the way, let's it's how do you pronounce this troika? It's a group of three people working together, especially in administrative or especially in an administrative or managerial capacity. There we are. So, there we go. That was the Warner's uh character profiles. Um let's see. There's a quick little thing about anim- uh Warner Brothers animation. Nathan, go ahead. Keep Nathan,
2: keep reading for us. What does it say about a tradition of excellence? Oh man, the tradition of excellence. Upholding a legacy of creative excellence that now spans more than half a century, Warner Brothers Animation is bringing to Animaniacs the same magic and wonder it has painstakingly brought to such current favorites as Tiny Toon Adventures, Tasmania, and Batman the Animated Series. Senior producer Tom Ruger and producers Rich Aarons and Sherry Stoner have assembled a team of the industry's foremost creative writers, directors, and animators to breathe life and laughter into the frantic antics of the Warner Brothers Yakko and Wacko and Sister Dot. And the wonderful assortment of other characters in the hilarious new series. The average Saturday morning television show uses only about ten to fifteen thousand animation cells per segment, states producer Ruger, but on Animaniacs we'll be using between twenty and twenty five thousand cells per episode. The result will be a far greater fluidity of motion we think the series will be the smoothest best looking animation to be found anywhere on television today all right <laughs> tom ruger got a quoted
0: yep which is awesome so yeah there so i'm it's really making me psyched about this animaniac show Right. Sounds I'm pretty, excited for that cool. extra 10,000 cells per episode. That is a pretty big amount when you think yeah, about like how. I don't
3: know. I, I think if I were a TV exec, I don't know if I'd be sold on it because <laughs> it sounds way too good to be true.
0: It's true. But it's about to get better because.
3: I, I know. Now this, this, this coming up, I see the next page and know what's up. I, um, I would be sold on this.
0: <laughs> well, Kelly, why don't you read to us the next section?
3: <clears throat> Steven Spielberg, executive producer. On the heels of his extraordinarily successful Tiny Tune Adventures, the top-rated children's series for first-run syndication by Warner Brothers, Steven Spielberg now presents the Wild and Zany Animaniacs, a new fully animated series for the Fox Children's Network. The filmmaker's involvement with the new series represents, in his words, a natural extension of the type of high-quality animation we work to attain on Tiny Toons. That is the fullest animation economically possible for television. With Animaniacs, we are investing the same effort and expect to achieve that same fully animated, finished look that is so important to both viewers and its ultimate success. The filmmaker readily acknowledges Warner Bros. cartoon characters as his favorites. They are sassy, don't take any guff from anyone, and never take no for an answer. Although in Animaniacs we are giving birth to a new group of characters, they are deeply rooted in the classic Warner Brothers tradition in terms of their, three, their three-dimensional their three personalities and varied character traits. Mr. Spielberg's body of work as a director includes some of the film industry's biggest all-time hits. Among them are Jaws, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, E.T. The Extraterrestrial, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and sequels Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, The Color Purple, Empire of the Sun, and Hook. He has just completed principal photography on his latest Jurassic Park, starring Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, and Richard Attenborough. As executive producer, Spielberg's credits include Poltergeist, The Goonies, Gremlins, and its sequel, Twilight Zone, the movie, Back to the Future, and sequels, Parts 2 and 3, An American Tale, Inner Space, and Joe vs. the Volcano. These films also represent some of the most critically acclaimed and high engrossing, highest grossing motion pictures in history. Okay, Joe vs. the Volcano is not the most critically acclaimed. <laughs> That's what acclaimed. I was
0: going to say. Really? Joe versus the Volcano? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's an okay movie, but it's not, you know...
3: I haven't seen it, but I I just heard it's not good. Oh, I mean, it's fine. I didn't even know Spielberg. That's one I didn't even know Spielberg worked on. So <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I just <laughs> when you unusual.
0: read that, I was like, really? He did? He produced that? Anyway, yeah. One word to say about <laughs> the, that is Spring Cloud. Anyway,
3: in addition to directing, producing, and executive producing such films, Mr. Spielberg presides over his own thriving film company, Amblin Entertainment where he actively oversees the development and production of virtually every project in which Amblin is involved.
0: Wow. that You know, that is just a time capsule right there. I love the, the particular stuff right there of Spielberg in, in particular. um, The part where it's mm-hmm. talking about uh, Jurassic Park. He just wrapped the movie. It's like, oh, if they only knew. <laughs> like, like, yeah, this oh, is going to be big. This This little movie called Jurassic Park.
3: And we're still talking about it today. Uh-huh.
0: I just, uh, I
3: literally, did y'all see about the Jeff Goldblum statue in, I think, London?
0: I did. Yeah, I saw, I
2: saw that.
3: <laughs> I thought it was a joke at first.
0: No, it, it looks great. I mean, is, it's, like it obviously can't be a permanent, uh, statue. Is it inflatable? It should be. It should. It, it looks like, it looks like, uh, those kinds of statues because they have, it has this kind of bronze look to it, but it looks like one of these statues you would see, like, in Washington, D.C., you know, like, have a, a statue of Albert Einstein that you can crawl on top of and everything. Uh, but yeah, they really should make one of Jeff Goldblum, like the same way, shirtless Jeff, Jeff Goldblum <laughs> laying out, sprawled out like that and you can just climb on top of them. That would be fantastic. Anyway. That would be amazing. <laughs> the last little section right here uh, is kind of getting down to the business. It's almost like a, for more information, please see us about this. So it's, uh, basically saying advertising and promotion. In keeping with their tradition of powerful advertising and promotion, Warner Brothers and Fox Children Network will provide an all-out advertising and promotional campaign for animaniacs. These efforts will help to enhance the excitement surrounding the launch of this cl- new classic animated series. Warner Brothers plans an extensive program, uh, an extensive program to generate awareness of the series, including a full schedule of trade advertising, advertising, focused consumer uh, promotion geared for the series fall 1993 premiere a full advertising supported customer consumer promotion for spring 1994 to support the launch of licensed merchandise fox children's network in turn will provide heavy introductory support of the program's launch in august and september 1993 including a full schedule of on-air promotional spots slotted to reaching viewers in the target time period uh, and then a print advertising in Fox. So this is, uh, and it says for print advertising in Fox's popular children's magazine, which I totally forgot that there's a Fox Kids magazine. But uh, that does sound vaguely familiar. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, uh, but it, then it has an Animaniacs fact sheet, and then uh, it it's kind of you know lists off program name, the premiere date the network when it's going to be on Monday through Friday. The coverage will be 92% of the United States. Uh, the series concept in short, an entire new group of wild, wacky, and zany characters who live in a modern American city. The show represents the best of classic animation with a highly contemporary edge. Principal characters, Yakko, Warner, Wacko Warner, Dot Warner, three inseparable siblings who escape from the Warner Brothers Tower, and Cavett, poking, poking holes in sacred cows and metting out justice to adults and other assorted villains. Uh, the other key characters are Rita and Runt, a homeless cat and dog, Mindy and Buttons, a precocious four-year-old and her protective dog, the Good Feathers, three street pigeons in search of, quote, red, status, and respect, Pinky and the Brain, two lab mice, plans to take over the world, Hip Hippos, the ultimate hip y- yuppie couple, Slappy Squirrel, retired cartoon star from the '30s who's still pursued by villains, and then it tells about you know who the writers are and the producers and everything like that, and then it closes it all, closes it all up with uh, some consumer products uh, information. So if I ever wanted to uh, give a, a write a letter or call or perhaps even fax some of these uh, people in different Warner Brothers, I could. I could. Uh, I wonder if these fax numbers still work. Well. That is a really cool little uh, booklet right there. A lot of in- interesting information for the uh, promotion of the show. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on it, Nathan, Kelly?
2: Um, well, Temple Doom is not a sequel. It's a prequel. That's all.
0: <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Excellent point. I'm
3: glad it listed all of the Indiana Jones movies.
0: <laughs> that's true. Oh, well, <clears throat> yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> never mind never mind biting my tongue all right well <laughs> let's go ahead and move on and by the way thank you again mike um for that awesome i mean that was i I sent out, mike every single one of the the animaniacs decals that i've uh i've made uh as a thank you to him but seriously mike this is just um this is awesome stuff so um send it to us you know mail this package off to us which was not a cheap uh, mailing cost to mail this huge booklet off to us. So thank you very much, Mike. You're an awesome listener. Thank you so much. Yay. Stay tuned. Kids WB will return. Come, baby.
1: Greetings, persons perusing podcasts. Are you looking for something a little different for your Star Wars-themed shows? Then join millions of others who now proudly call themselves scoundrels. I don't think it's millions, taxes. It has to be close by now. After all the word of mouth and interwebs, nothing exists in a vacuum, Dennis. Space
0: does. I'm not sure what this space vacuum you're talking about is. Never mind. So if you're looking for a unique show for news, hot space opinions, unique discussion points with our hypotheticals, or taxes and Musings with Saber Clash, and tune into to Starships, Sabers, and Scoundrels with me, Dennis Keeley,
1: Me, Jay Krebs. And me, your humble little dark lord of the shtick, dark Taxis. From failed bits to musical guests to dancing wookies, you never know who might drop by. You really never do. So start your engines, fire up your sabers, hold
0: on tight and join us. For Starships, Sabers, and Scoundrels.
1: Part of the RetroZap Podcast
2: Network. kids of the 70s and 80s are all grown up, but the good times of childhood don't have to end. Our generation can share the fun and fandom of our youth with the next generation and bring the past into the future. And wrap it all up to make a fantastic present. Join Jedi Schwa and Shaz Bazaar every Monday morning to get your work week started by reminiscing about the past and exploring the future with your earbuds on Techno Retro Dads. So find us on iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, or on RetroZap.com, part of the RetroZap Network. Hey, you
1: guys, It's Rob Paulson here. Um, I am so thrilled that we have the Animaniacast to continue to find a way to help me to get a freaking job. Thank you for listening. Bye.
0: All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into our discussion of Episode 85 of Animaniacs. But before we
2: do, Nathan, tell us, when did this episode first premiere? OK, so this episode first premiered on Saturday, September 14th of 1996, uh, which was right when uh, the PlayStation's Crash Bandicoot was released. Also, Mark McGuire became the 13th player to hit 50 home runs in a season. And Jeff Daniels helps his daughter lead a flock of geese in South and fly away home. OK, I, I don't heard, know if you saw that movie. I, I heard <laughs> of it. I know. I know
0: of it. I know it was a movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, I saw it. It's fine. It's whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, and uh, Crash Bandicoot, I know just was re-released recently in the, for the PlayStation, and, um, Mm uh, people had a whole new discovery of, this is so hard. (laughs) It's like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Video games Games used used to be be a lot harder. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. In most cases. I just downloaded Mm -hmm. Star Wars Jedi Starfighter for the PlayStation 4, which was like on, you know, the PlayStation 2, I think, originally, and it's, original run, and I don't know, I'm bouncing into ships and I'm just hitting the water and I'm, I haven't died once. And I'm like, what? what is going on here with this game? <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> Jedi's could use the Force a lot and they could protect themselves constantly from crashing into things. At least, that's my theory. But other than that game, it's true. Games are just... You can't play them now without... Uh, like, Nathan, we were talking about the new Nintendo... Um, Super Nintendo thing. And you can rewind... Mm -hmm. footage so if you make a mistake you can press the rewind button so you don't fall off the cliff each time or something Yeah, it's like we're spoiled now (laughs) because now we're in a world of infinite lives and it's not about uh, you know playing the first three levels for three months to try to get to to try to beat the game anyway
2: well it's more story now like which is good like usually story is more important than the the grind Let's go ahead and get into today's discussion, Uh, but uh,
0: before the major segments, there was a little uh, Rugrats parody, and I guess we're going to call it Animani Rats, Uh, and, well, this is the the Rugrats opening theme, done at the opening of this uh, episode, and it's uh, really a shot-by-shot kind of uh, switch on things. Uh, The Warners are all babies. Uh, uh, Let's see here. Let's go through the character listing here uh wacko is chucky yakko is tommy slappy is grandpa skippy and mindy mm-hmm. are phil and lil uh, dot is angelica buttons is spike uh dr scratch and sniff and hello nurse are married for some reason it's very weird to see them like that but they're tommy's parents or yakko's parents whatever
2: mm-hmm. uh
0: it was he it was cute in a milk he, you know yakko squirts a milk carton instead of a milk
2: bottle um yeah what do you guys think of this opening i like that like it had pretty much everyone in it like the good feathers are in it and rita and runt are in it uh just like like the like good feathers are on the tv for like a frame or two yeah, and then going, you get to see the good
0: feathers i
2: yeah, the, like they're on the TV with uh, Slappy asleep on the couch. You can just see Reptar. mostly; it's just them fighting. But was it Reptar they're...
0: originally on the on the Rugrats one? I wonder. I don't know. I'm trying. To I don't remember.
2: know. I rewatched the um, uh, the Rugrats opening theme, and like I th- I thought it was gonna be like shot for shot like this, but it's actually fairly different. Like, oh, cool. well, <laughs> it's very similar, but it's it's not shot for shot the same kind of thing. And I don't know who Ralph's supposed to be in the bathtub. Yeah,
0: that's what I was wondering, too. I was like, who's Ralph? That's I, why I, I
2: was like, I'm going to rewatch the intro and find out who's in the shower. I'm yeah. like, there's no one. There's no shower scene in it. Oh. Um, hmm. So, whatever. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph was supposed to be babysitting.
0: And instead, he was saying to decided to take a shower. Apparently,
2: I thought Slappy was supposed, to, babysit. Was supposed to be. Maybe she was supposed to be. That's kind
0: of creepy. Okay, well, Whatever. <laughs> well, uh, Kelly, what did you think? Did you ever watch Rugrats at all?
3: No, but I, I knew enough of it to recognize as what they were parroting.
0: Now, did you guys hear the news that just came out a couple days ago, that they are doing a reboot of Rugrats also? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: and I saw the new she and
0: in- Oh, and the new or- She-Ra thing. Yeah, what do you think of the, the She-Ra design there, Kelly? No. No, I, was... I
3: mean, I mean, I, I literally grew up with the original Shira and I, I don't know. I mean, she looks very modern. She kind of seems like she fits in with the more modern animation style um, that people are doing now, which I'm, I, I'm not a fan of. I, I like the more traditional animation and uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess because she looks like a little girl. Yeah. And Shira, I thought was more of a you know, an adult. Um, I I kind of um consider Zena and Hercules to be sort of contemporaries of, of He Man and Shira, And so I, I sort of think of her more like Xena and, and an older woman, um, you know, maybe twenty or so. Um mm-hmm and the artwork for the new new stuff she just looks like a kid
0: yeah she looks like i i think some people have uh said she kind of resembles a almost like a female gymnast or something where some people say oh it's a boy <laughs> which i don't know it doesn't necess- she doesn't necessarily look a boy to me but she definitely looks she definitely well- doesn't look like she kind of she's like She's not a... curvy. Yeah, she mean, the original Sherby looked uh, looked like a almost like a, well, she was like a Barbie originally, you know. It was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was...
3: Yeah, well, that's what I am saying. She looked, she she her voice sounded older. She she looked older. Um, you know, she just seemed more adult. And
2: well, um... like if, if she's a gymnast kind of figure, then like gymnasts can be like thirty and they still look like they're, you know. Twenty or something, right? Sure, they're usually guess, shorter.
3: But I think a lot of them are, are petite. So yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm I'm like just over five feet. So a lot of people think I'm younger than I am.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So uh, you know, because I I'm this I'm basically the height of a twelve year old child. <laughs> <laughs> I hit twelve and I stopped growing. <laughs> so um, so yeah, it, it can happen. I did. I mean, it's just it's too cutesy, really, for me personally for that character.
0: Uh huh. Um, I mean she kind of
3: m- reminds me more of like Sailor Moon, the sheera I grew up with, who I think true. is more like Xena.
0: yeah. <laughs> well, um, as for the Rugrats uh, reboot, I mean, it's coming back with a twenty six episode order from Nickelodeon. Uh, mm-hmm. It's uh, coming back with the uh, original creators, and uh, it looks it says the the show's <laughs> original cre- the show's original creators Lean Klasky, Gabor. Suspo, I'm probably totally mispronouncing uh Gabor's name, but uh Paul Germain, uh will all return as the executive producers, and uh it looks like I think some of the voice actors are even like the woman who and I her name escapes me, but uh she voiced uh Angelica. Um and she put out a little like celebrating the return of Rugrats, you know, things so one can only assume that the original voices are coming back too. Boy, um, it really made me. Man, I, hear,
3: I hear the name Angelica, and I keep hearing, like, Angelica, Eliza, and Peggy. <laughs>
2: That's a Hamilton reference. Oh, okay.
3: Yes.
2: <laughs> Joey was just like, what? Thank
3: you. Thank you, Nathan. Well, and what does the artwork for the rats look like? Is it like the original, well, or is it?
0: They haven't come out. Yeah, they haven't come out with uh, artwork for it. Now, there was, and I tweeted it out. Um, there's been some people saying, it's going to be a CGI. And I, as far as I can tell, at least from this press release, the TV show is probably going to be... Uh, I would only assume that it's going to look similar to the original show. Now, whether or not they're going to do Rugrats as older or not, it kind of remains to be seen. Because I think they did experiment with that a little bit.
2: There was Yeah, they had them in as teenagers, and then, I mean, even... Uh, Tommy was getting older, where he had a little brother at one point. You know, like a, yeah, it's true. But I think they even had a few episodes where they jumped, but
0: like five or ten years into the future. Where, yeah, no, they were in
2: high school. Yeah. There was ones where they're in high school for sure. Yeah, they had. Well, they had uh, Dill Pickles, right? He had a little baby brother, but that was even Tommy. I'm wondering if that will be if Dill Pickles will be in the reboot or not, kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, maybe they're maybe they're the adults in this one. And I think I think um, Chucky had a, a an adopted sister. Yes. I think yeah, too.
0: See, they they, they had a lot of seasons of uh, Rugrats. Mm-hmm. But there is going to be a CGI slash live action movie that's going to be coming out. And there's not much details about that. I mean, who knows if it's going to be like the the newest uh, SpongeBob movie that came out, where it was you know CGI slash live action stuff going on. Uh, or if, if, I don't know, the babies are CGI or what. I don't
2: know. It seems like it's going to be really creepy to have like a CGI baby that looks like Tommy. (laughs) I know. It's like,
0: how do you do that? You have like the, like, remember when we were babies and we all looked weird and goofy looking and now we're live action people? (laughs) Every baby starts off computer generated (laughs) and eventually turns into a live action person. I really don't know how they're going to do that. Maybe, I mean, Maybe they're going to do it, uh, like the, sh- like the Disney movie, uh, dinosaur, you know, like that was a live action backgrounds and stuff, but the dinosaurs were all computer animated. So maybe all the characters are computer animated, but they're being put onto live action backgrounds. At that maybe. point though, it's like kind of like, well, why not just make the whole thing computer generated? But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, the, 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 the world of, uh, Rugrats is, is going crazy. It's it's reboots all around. You get a reboot. You get a reboot. But uh, what a what a charming idea for them to actually bring back the original creators of the show. <laughs> to... <laughs>
2: yeah, I wish other another show would do that. What what show was I thinking that well, I wanted the original creators to come back? I
0: I, I don't know. I mm, Gosh. Oh well, I can't think mm. of it. Let's talk about Animaniacs. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Well, let's go ahead and get into our first segment, and it is Jokahontas. And Jokahontas was written by Earl Cress and directed by Liz Halsman. And Kelly, tell us what happens here in Jokahontas. Well,
3: it's obviously a parody of Pocahontas. The segment actually begins with a... Um... Like the water tower appearing on this blue background, which is just like the castle... Well, the old version of the castle appearing on the the background for Disney movies. And then Dot was dressed as uh, Tinkerbell. Then the episode begins, and Dot is hoka which is, you know, for Pocahontas. And Yakko is Chief Yakutan, sort of like... Powhatan, who is Pocahontas' father, and Wacko is Wacko'em, so he's Kokoom in the anime version. So they they have um, this uh, opening sequence, which I believe the the first portion of it uh, they're parodying the song, and I can't remember the exact name of the song. I think it's Steady as a Beating Drum. Um, sorry, Pocahontas is not. It does not rank as high as Beauty and the Beast, but I, I did listen to the soundtrack a lot when I had it. So I think I think that's the song. And um, kind of shows you the characters and then Wacko I mean I'm sorry, yakko is gonna introduce his daughter and you see her kind of silhouetted and the wind blowing her hair and it's kinda like kinda like the, some of the posters for Pocahontas. But it's actually Hello Nurse. Hello
1: American nurse. We call him slobbers with wolves.
3: And you're kind of like, that's not that's not Pocahontas. (laughs) And um, he's like, yeah, she's adopted. So here's my real daughter. And they kind of do like this dating game.
1: Pocahontas, come on down and meet your betrothed. He's a computer consultant all the way from Palo Alto. He likes hunting, fishing, and belching war chants. Meet wacko Uh
3: She doesn't want to marry him, so then she goes talks to Grandmama Maple, who is like Grandmother Willow, and she's trying to get her advice, but Grandmama Maple is Slappy with a tree trunk on her head.
1: <laughs> I spent four and a half hours in makeup to play this flipping tree. It ain't doing wonders for my career. Hiya, Slappy. Skippy, are you doing a cameo in this thing too? Yeah, I'm the raccoon. Sp- Phew! What's that sappy music? That's my song, Maple Leaf Diddy. Get it? I'm a maple tree. (laughs) You're not going to sing, are you? For the sake of the show, no. Then, Mel
3: Gibson shows up, and he's supposed to be John Smith, and in Pocahontas, John Smith is voiced by Mel Gibson. So in this version, they have John Smith looking like Mel Gibson. And he shows up, and he's got this helmet, and then all of a sudden these little mouse ears show up, just like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> and he does a song, and singing about being, being on the water, and he's got his two friends, and then they arrive. Then there's some ice cream. <laughs> yes. Like this whole big segment of ice cream flavors and singing a song, and... The two guys that came with John Smith, um, what is it, Jerome and Sebastian, or what are their names? Oh,
2: gosh, anyway, I don't know.
3: <laughs> they have some names, and but that's not important. It's, and so Jer- they want it's,
2: it's Jerome and Benjamin. Oh.
3: Benjamin, okay. So um, they want the, the secret recipe for the ice cream, and they're not going to give it to them. And so they start hurling ice cream at them.
1: Hey, if you won't give it to us, we'll take it. Right, let's go. You'll get this recipe over my tootie-fruity, Rudy. (laughs) They can't have the recipe, but let them have the ice cream, wacko -um.
3: Up. I forgot that I needed to mention the whole another Disney heroine bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Because (laughs) they they were talking about how this is a story we've heard before, and then... Dot shows up, and she's under the water. She's like, Ariel, and then she's like Beauty and the Beast, dancing in the ballroom, which was fun, and yay, Belle, <laughs> and um, Jasmine, she showed the um, carpet flying with the genie, and so it's kind of like they're saying, this is the same old tired Disney story where the heroine wants more out of life and doesn't want to be, you know, just somebody's wife or something like that and they they want adventure in the great wide somewhere father
1: i can't get married now there's a great big crazy world out there and i have a feeling there's something better for me say this plot is beginning to sound familiar Like this is deja vu. A girl who thinks that she wants more. The music starts, you find that you are humming. It's okay, then it dawns on you. You've seen this story before. Now you're stuck and you know what is coming. Just the same old heroine. Just a rerun heroine. You've seen before. First I tuned in Ariel. Again, once more. Then I rang a bell. This music score. The it will win. With the same old Halloween.
3: Mm. Okay, so back to the ice cream. <laughs> yes. So what did I forget?
2: Well, like, so the, the Dot pr- saves John Smith from, or she tries to, but then John Smith gets hit with ice cream anyways. And then they see how much Jerome and Benjamin like ice cream, so they decide that they will give them the recipe for ice cream and then they open Ben and Jerry's that's right that's why it was important to know their names
0: cuz it was Ben and Jerry mm-hmm. oh uh, yeah they opened up the first Ben and Jerry's in Jamestown back then who knew that Ben and Jerry's wow. was such an old uh oh. old cr- franchise
3: and i actually learned something because they had you know they kind of segue to this like talk show bit with mel gibson and apes. Talking about how he didn't grow up in Australia, he actually grew up in uh, Peekskill, New York.
1: Yeah. I've been hit, Polkadotis. I must return to England. Really? I thought you were from Australia. Well, actually, I was born in Peekskill, New York. My family and I moved to Australia when I was 12. I studied at the National Institute of Dramatic Art in Sydney. And then I started making movies, which was actually... Whoa, Mel! Way too much info. Oh.
3: So I had to look that up because I was like, surely that's not true, and it is. I I learned that Mel Gibson is not actually Australian by birth.
0: That is insane to me.
3: Australian ethnicity, I guess, if that's the right word. But he's he was. I always thought he was born and lived in Australia. Yeah,
2: me too. So he could be he could be president. Oh my gosh!
0: (laughs) What a horrible idea. But. Who knows anymore? I can't say it would never happen anymore. <laughs> so
3: I think so. So Harrison Ford's chances of being president are dramatically increased now. In I would
0: love get off of my plane. <laughs> <laughs> love that in real life. Well, Jocahantus, it's a. I would say this is kind of a searing uh, uh, commentary on Disney. Uh, uh, movies whereas last week's was mm-hmm. kind of like a fun and games kind of you know pick you know picking at uh beauty and the beast uh, this was kind of like the writers did not like Pocahontas <laughs> they wanted Earl Cress wanted people to know Pocahontas is a boring movie and it's the same thing over and over again uh, and that song just to, just the same old heroine uh, really pointed out a lot of that didn't it um
3: it's a good thing they'd never seen Avatar at this point.
0: Oh, my gosh. That's very true. <laughs> yeah.
3: Talk well, about the same old story.
0: I know. And it would have been with, uh, they also bring up, uh, you know, dances with wolves. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and this and, boy, that, the combination of dances with wolves and Pocahontas equals Avatar with Smurfs. So,
3: Well, but that's where you get Ferngully.
0: Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> All these different <laughs> things. Oh, my goodness. Um so, I don't know. I, this episode had a, a bunch of cultural references going on. I mean, it, it showed off uh, this buffalo at the beginning.
1: What did you bring me? What did you bring me? I caught a really wild beast. A buffalo! <laughs> Ugh, big war whoop. Every brave catches those. Shuffle off, buffalo.
0: What else? But the buffalo looked very similar to Beanie the Brain Dead Bison, I thought. Um,
2: Yeah, I thought so too.
0: There's a song called Shuffle Off to Buffalo from 1933's 42nd Street, which uh, I actually went on the Turner Classic Movies website today and listened to a little bit of it and said, okay.
3: I love Turner Classic movies.
0: (laughs) There was a, I mean, they showed the Friends right there for the, you know, the cast of Friends for a, a second.
1: The cast of Friends? So, those guys are everywhere.
0: I think it's really funny going to our show notes here, Nathan. And looking at some
2: of the original
0: show notes, mm-hmm. the commentary that people put in and, uh, from like
2: 1996. <laughs>
0: yeah. 1990. Yeah. Some people in 1996 on the early days of the internet wrote the cast of friends. Are you kidding? Those guys are everywhere. I totally agree. Never watched the show and still can pick all of them out, especially that Jennifer. What's her name? And I just <laughs> thought, Oh, Oh, you person in 1996, not knowing Jennifer <laughs> Aniston's name. <laughs> but I think it should be pointed out. I mean, of course, there's Braveheart, you know, like references, at least a couple. I mean, he's, Mel Gibson's dressed up like Braveheart in this. And I've never seen the movie Braveheart. Have either of you <gasps> I
2: know. I know. I've never seen it.
3: So good. And it has an incredible score. One of my favorites by James Horner, the late, great James Horner. I'm still sad.
0: Oh. Of course, the people, the early settlers coming in the movie Pocahontas, I think they're looking for gold. Uh, they have a whole song about singing, you know, digging for gold. But uh, one of the things that the settlers mm-hmm. in Jamestown actually did find or actually make uh, was Pocahontas' uh, husband, John Rolfe, made tobacco. He made the first kind of tobacco that the English uh, across the pond could actually smoke. So because of Pocahontas's husband, John Rolfe, the entire world got addicted to tobacco. So thank you so much. Yeah. Spoiler
3: alert, she doesn't marry John Smith.
0: Yeah, she does not yeah. marry John Smith. And then uh, ends up getting kidnapped by John Rolfe. And uh, it's, Pocahontas did not have the best life. Mm-hmm. Well, woman, then, I, didn't she die, like, 20 or... She died, she, yeah. Yeah, she, she was kidnapped by John Rolfe, and then eventually she married John Rolfe. I don't know what happened there. Moved like,
3: to England.
0: Moved to England, yeah. They went to England, and then on their way back... And she had, like, a kid or two with John Rolfe also. And mm-hmm. then on their way back
2: to America, she died on the boat. And also, this whole John Smith of her saving his life probably never happened, so... Yeah, that's true. He, like...
0: Um, yeah, he made it all up. A lot of people are saying that likely, John Smith yeah. likely made it up in this kind of uh, way. Because he he had to leave the colony of Jamestown in an embarrassing way. He, like, blew himself up or something accidentally. Mm-hmm.
2: So uh, there's a lot of mythology and that goes on into the yeah, story. Yeah, Pocahontas, Pocahontas was famous by then, and he wrote an autobiography. She wasn't in it. And then he wrote another one, and she was in it. And that one sold better. <laughs> oh,
0: hmm, how convenient. Hmm. Uh. Yeah. So I don't know. The, and, and that's when it really comes into this the movie of Pocahontas as well. When you're dealing with this historic figure slash also kind of a fairy tale at the same time. Um. I only saw the movie Pocahontas one time with my family, and uh that was when we, you know, Nathan was there. I don't know if you remember it, Nathan.
2: Drive-in theater. The drive-in theater. We saw it with uh Look Who's wait, uh sleeping now. What is it called? Uh, Look who's while, sleeping.
0: No, not that was while you were sleeping <laughs> While you were sleeping. <laughs> while you were sleeping with Sandra Bullock, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and while you were sleeping was a much better movie. Well
3: it's mm-hmm. such a good movie.
0: Yeah. Uh, but,
3: I probably have seen that more than I've seen Pocahontas.
0: Yeah. I, I so yeah, Pocahontas I was not that again, to me it was it wasn't that it was the same old heroine, it was just a boring heroine. It was just a boring story to me. I and then, of course, I remember a lot of people were criticizing the look of Pocahontas at the time. Cause she is, n- she does not look like Pocahontas would have really looked like at all. It was a little no. over
3: sexualized, I think. Yeah. Too.
0: Well, some, I remember some people at the time, um, some critics were saying, this is Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> and when you hold Jessica Rabbit, like a picture of Jessica Rabbit next to Pocahontas, it kind of looks similar, you know, the, the, the eye line and the nose or lack thereof, cause, you know, they, they're barely there. Um, mm-hmm. she looks very busty and just very, yeah, it, it doesn't look like, uh, how Pocahontas certainly would look
2: like at all in real life. Yeah. She's supposed to be like 12 or something, right? Like, yeah.
0: 12 or 14.
2: 14. Instead, yeah. Instead, yeah, something she's like that. a
0: Barbie doll running around the place. So now if you like the movie Pocahontas, I'm not saying you shouldn't you know i'm just saying it's not for me
2: and you're wrong to like it but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it
3: does have some good songs i i i mean I, I like i said it's not my favorite but i it's certainly better than um some of the later stuff that came out
0: colors of the wind has certainly lasted the you know oh yeah that's, yeah, that's a great song. And just around the river
2: river bend is yeah, the Great. So.
0: You know, I I like them. I like seeing them in uh World of Color and California Adventure. You know, that's a really cool part of that that park, but I don't know. What do you guys think about Polkadotis, though? Was this a, was this a funny cartoon? Was this a good uh uh commentary on Pocahontas and stuff? What do you guys think, Nathan?
2: Uh what? I liked the passing the wind joke. <laughs>
0: That was pretty cute, <laughs> but dot had to cut it off really fast. What are you doing?
1: painting with the colors of the passing wind? Did you say passing wind? Please, please, I beg you, let us not go there.
2: <laughs> um yeah, and it was it was cute seeing all the Disney references I got like same old heroine. I guess I like seeing all the Disney that they put into it, I guess. I don't know.
3: <laughs> but I didn't like that they were mocking Disney.
2: They,
0: oh. they were they were a little stronger, weren't they, in this one?
2: It was, mm-hmm. it,
0: it, it's, you know, they were, I think where it really kind of crosses a line for some people, I suppose, is when it just kind of says this is all about money. You know, we're going to take your money. You're going to see this film no matter what. And it shows, you know, polka dot da, well, no, that's, that's everywhere.
3: pretty spot on. I mean, just <laughs> Star Wars, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah,
2: both of those.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's I'm not the saying they're it. incorrect. I'm just saying they're just a little uh too real, maybe.
3: Well this and the sad thing is though, I think Disney's even more blatant nowadays about just taking money, you know, the, the money grabs. Um, they don't oh. even try to hide it anymore. Like back back in the day, they uh, they wouldn't do direct to video sequels quite as often or you know, they kinda take their time with them or space them out a little bit. And now it's just, uh... they, they actually did take a, a nicer approach to the beauty and the beast enchanted Christmas. And they actually, it wasn't, uh, I think it was direct to video, but they marketed it like almost like a full length feature film. I know I bought the dolls and I bought the DVD and I got the lithograph.
0: Yeah. And, it, you know, Belle had a nice red hood going on. and
3: It's so pretty. I have the Barbie doll.
0: <laughs> you know, Sherry Stoner, of course, was uh, you know, one of the producing talents slash writing talents slash, uh, you know, voice of uh, Slappy Squirrel. And, of course, she was the animation model for not only Ariel, but also uh, Belle as well in many shots. Um, it's just kind of cool that there's that there's that connection right there with Disney princesses and Animaniacs. And, Same and, old heroine.
3: And I met Belle, as we've established, and she, she's just like a Disney princess in real life. She's so sweet and so kind and so princessy. And I told her I love how Belle liked books, and she said that she and Linda Wolverton, the, uh, the writer of Beauty and the Beast, really pushed to get that aspect of Belle in there. And it's very cool.
0: Excellent. Well, let's leave, let's leave Polkadotus or Jocahontus on that note right there of positivity and move on to our next segment, which is Boyd's on the Hood. And Boyd's on the Hood was written by Lance Falk. It was directed by Liz Halsman. And, uh, well, let's see. Basically, in this one, it's, uh, the good feathers get run over by Thaddeus Plotz's limo. And so, I think they get run over by him repeatedly. So, as a way to get back at uh, Thaddeus plots, or at least maybe Ralph the Guard, who was actually the driver of the car, they proceed to dive-bomb the limo that Ralph the Guard had just detailed. And in fear that the good feathers will poop all over it, apparently, <laughs> uh, Ralph starts trying to protect it, and of course... Uh, the good feathers don't touch the car at all. Ralph ends up demolishing the limo, though, because he's—I don't know—he's flopping all around the place. At one point, he uh, an entire VW Bug <laughs> flops over and uh, collapses on Ralph. Ralph emerges looking like a, a, a Viking from an opera—a a female opera, a female uh, opera singer, I should say—and uh, the whole scene is very reminiscent to. Uh, Apocalypse Now because they're playing this, uh, the Ride of the Valkyries. I don't know. That's, that's pretty much it. There's not much to this, uh, cartoon. Um, Kelly, did you, uh, see anything in this uh, cartoon that you liked?
3: I like the music, um... What is that piece of music? Uh, something of the Valkyries. Yeah,
0: Ride um, of the Valkyries,
2: yeah.
3: Yes, I like the music.
0: All right. And uh, Nathan, what about you?
2: Um, I was, uh, well, the whole, like, you can hear them pooping.
0: <laughs> yeah, th- there's a shot where you can go, like, inside. Uh, <laughs> th- that, that was probably my favorite part, too. It's like you go inside of uh, Thaddeus Plotz's office where he just hears a commotion outside and you hear some splats and stuff. So mm-hmm. contact then, was made.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is the only one. I think Ralph so, says birds or something in this. And it's the only time he speaks in this whole episode, but he's in like every segment. And then, uh, i like the one joke where they show the rear ends. Was it about the moon or something? We'll show you the moon. I can't remember.
1: Where'd you want to drive? On the moon? I'll show you the moon.
0: Pesto. Did you notice the same thing I did, Nathan, when, um, Pesto says, hey, I've got an idea.
1: Hey, guys, I got a plan.
0: And it doesn't sound like Pesto. I'm pretty yeah, sure... Yeah, that
2: was Squit, right? Like,
0: yeah, it's, Well, I think it was Maurice LaMarche <laughs> doing a Pesto impression or something like that.
2: Yeah, or... it just sounded like Squit to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it sounded like Squit's voice, but a little meaner. So I didn't know if that was an animation um, mistake or if... Um, Oh, what's his name? Chick Veneer, uh, something like that. I think is Pesto's voice actor. Uh, if he just wasn't available for that one line. And so they had Maurice like, to do, do a Pesto voice because I, it just was not that. Anyway, that was that cartoon. Let's go ahead and wrap it up and get to our last cartoon of the day, which is called Mighty Wacko at the Bat. And Mighty Wacko at the Bat was written by Randy Rogel. It was directed by Aru Payden. And Nathan, tell us what happens here in
2: Mighty Wacko at the Bat. Alright, well, the Animaniacs are all uh, playing baseball against uh, the bad guys, whatever team that is. Um, And they are down by one point. And they need to get one more point or they won't get paid. So everyone's cheering. They all go out. So, uh, Dr. Scratches is first up, he immediately strikes out, and then uh, then we have uh, a, a Pesto, he's up to bat, he hits it, um, slides into first, but gets out, and then Ralph the Guard's up, and he's a great hitter, uh, he's, he's about to hit the ball, he, um, he's not facing the right way, but the umpire points him in the right direction, and then he gets hit in the head with a ball. So, uh, Skippy takes his place, he's on first, and up to bat comes the cutest little wacko warner he can't even lift up the bat it's so heavy um everyone's laughing at him from the other team and even people in the crowd are they can't believe their eyes but he hits it and it goes straight into space it looks like um and then it's gonna fall down right into uh outfield and they're gonna catch it, but Minerva Mink and Hello Nurse they distract the catcher just long enough for it to fall to the ground and uh Skippy uh, runs to home and then Wacko is right behind him uh, but the ball's also coming and they wacko slides into home and there's a big dust cloud and the the uh, you know the catcher's got the ball and who is he is he safe or is he out and the umpire says he's out and then he realizes that, no, he's safe, and then that's the end of the cartoon. Also, it's in the theme of Casey at the Bat. (laughs) Yes, I think we should... I guess we should have mentioned that at the (laughs) beginning of it. But yeah,
0: very odd for the uh, umpire to just change his mind right there at the end. Uh, Usually that does not happen. So, good... Lucky for, uh, I guess, plots might have uh, gave the umpire some money or something before the game. (laughs) So, (laughs) whatever. Uh, So this cartoon features all of the cast of animaniacs or at least the majority of them right i mean even the hip hippos Mm -hmm. i don't know how effective the hip hippos would be at the bat but even they were playing on the team that day uh there was a few weird shots like i don't know like when the ball sails by and when wacko hits that ball Uh, for some reason, Squit is out in the outfield for some reason. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, Squit, you're on the wrong team. What's going on here? (laughs) No wonder we're losing. Exactly. This team is so so, uh, disorganized. Uh, but anyway, (laughs) uh, uh, you know, other than that, it's, you know, it's Casey the bat. I mean, Randy Rogel did a fantastic job, I think, uh, you know, taking the words of Casey the bat and really making them sound, uh, just as good as the original with, you know, they were humorous and, Uh, it was nice.
1: He stood there like a tiny fixture, only three feet tall. The players jeered, the pitcher sneered, and then he hurled the ball. It sped on past lightning fast, and Wacko got a hit. The ball went up and up and up, and through the sky it split. And then it started dropping toward the center fielder's mitt. Oh, please don't let them catch it. Plots was pounding on the wall. No use, though. The fielders all were right beneath the ball. And they'd have caught it, too, except there came a sudden noise. From Minerva Mink and Hello Nurse, who both said, Howdy, boys. They turned to look. Their bodies shook. Their tongues came wagging down. And amidst it all, they missed the ball, which landed on the ground. <clears throat> Wackle got to base, and he was not the only one. But Skippy crossed the plate at home and scored the tying run.
0: I don't know really what else to say about this. Uh, There's not really any major references other than Casey at the Bat. There was Freeling Cola as one of the signs, which is a uh, a reference to Frizz Freeling. Uh, But that's about all I can think of. Uh, Nathan, Kelly, what did you guys think about this cartoon?
3: I was really excited when Wacko showed up with the base on his head and he was safe.
0: (laughs) Yes, like under the mound. That's one way to do it. Uh, Nathan, what about you?
2: Uh, I enjoyed it. It's uh, It had a good, uh, I don't know, it's a happy ending, which is nice. Uh, usually it's a very sad ending. So <laughs> That's true. I, I
0: remember watching the original um, Disney version many times and I never really liked it that much as a kid because it, it ends with Casey, of course, striking out. I remember my dad, you know, we'd watch it from Make Mine Music and we'd watch it you know, on Betamax <laughs> as a kid. And dad would always laugh at, you know, Casey, you know, trying to hit the ball in the puddles at the end in Mudville and crying. And I just thought, oh, that's so sad. And my dad's just laughing. But this, I was glad to see that Wacko won.
2: Oh, and then uh the line from Mindy at the end, which was just random. Just do oh, you think? I-, I love you. Bye-bye yeah like do you think she came in and recorded that or was that just a pre-recorded that fellow? had to be pre-recorded
0: i would hope although <laughs> i would i would hope that they would have actually uh paid uh oh what's her name oh, uh gosh bart simpson bart simpson voice girl lady, <laughs> oh my gosh what's her name Duh! i'll think of it after we're done <laughs> nancy, recording. Cartwright. nancy cartwright thank you uh yeah i would hope they had they would have to pay nancy cartwright if they used her yeah. voice
3: okay i love you bye-bye
0: Alright, well that pretty much does it for today's episode. Let's go ahead and get to our water tower rating. Alright folks, what do you think? Out of five water towers, how many water towers would you give today's episode? Kelly, let's start with you.
3: I think I will give it three. Um, I did like all the Disney references even though they were a little mean sometimes and um you know I I appreciated that they they were bringing in uh, a parody of a, a very recent Disney film and I uh, thought the interpretations of the, the songs from Pocahontas were pretty good.
2: All right, and Nathan, what about you? Um I'll give it four water towers. I uh I really enjoyed uh like the Rugrats parody was really cool and uh i don't know i just i thought all the segments were uh better than average i guess i don't know yeah so four
0: uh, i don't think the segments were better than average i think the especially the middle segment which i don't know if the, I, I have to forgive me i haven't looked at the list but is this has got to be one of the last times we see the good feathers if not the last time we see the good feathers I'm not i think ex- we see them one more time one more time okay that sounds right um and just to not see the good feathers for so long. And I was just kind of disappointed that this is what they got, you know? So I'm going to say this is three out of five for me. It's not terrible, but I just, I wish it was a little bit better. Um, it was, just, yeah, that was my opinion. Well, let's go ahead. And, uh, before we get to our poll and everything <laughs> for the first 60, 70 ish episodes, <laughs> there was, uh, you know, a Catherine page, credit at the end of every episode and then they stopped doing that <laughs> um, so they went to gag credits instead and so we've been kind of pushing these off for a while and uh well we're going to go over some of them today so we've already gone through some of the the gag credits and everything but we're going to continue to go through them starting through 76 through today's episode nathan i'm going to read it and then i want you to give me a audio reaction of some what? sort. So here we go. I know. I just put this on top. So here we go. Gag credits. Rundown. Episode 76 was uh, Toto. Uh, he appeared courtesy of Ted Turner. Not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> Episode 77. Producing producer, producing production. Say that five times fast. I can Probably. Seventy-eight. Scratch and Sniff's head. Was that thing lumpy or what? That was in the Sound of Music episode. Seventy-nine. Our version of history is the correct one. I don't remember what episode that was. <laughs> <laughs> episode 80. Hey, we can see your house from here. Nice. Uh, that's nice to hear. <laughs> Episode 81, Wacko's Head Apparel by Mr. Lucky of Tarzana. Ah, he wears a red hat, everybody. You have to go down there, Nathan, Tarzana, and get one of those hats. Which, by the way, you can get them at the Warner Brothers store, and they are available at our Warner Brothers uh, AnimaniCast uh, shop. It's the AnimaniCast, uh, Amazon.AnimaniCast.com. Go to the clothing section. You can get a Wacko's uh, hat over there. It's official. Official merchandise. Boom. Plug. (laughs) Episode 82. Game over. Insert coin. I'm out of change. (laughs) Episode 83.
2: Your name here. 12 words or less. My name is one word. Nathan. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Episode 84.
0: This is something. Here we go. Episode 84. Names by our parents. And then it goes on to say reading small print can lead to eye strain visit your optometrist regularly and for that matter don't forget to go to the dentist at least every six months if not you might get cavities or gingivitis or some nasty gum disease as for me i got a toothache right now that's killing me so don't make the mistake i did see a dentist and try using some mouthwash now and then okay and remember to brush after every meal and floss once a day This has been Animaniacs, episode 84. Upcoming episodes are 85, 86, 87, 88, 89. And don't forget about show number 90. Another good show you can look forward to is show number 91. If you'd like even more episodes of Animaniacs, don't forget to write Jamie Kellner, care of Kids WB, and say, we want more Animaniacs. His home phone number is 555-1212. And I think it kind of had a different number underneath it too it's it's a joke uh finally today's
2: oh nathan i forgot oh that was that was the episode where all the warners were talking uh behind the credits yeah so (laughs) (laughs) yeah why not even put more talking right
0: there in in that one and finally today's (laughs) episode was employee of the week jane fonda congratulations jane So our poll last week said, which of these segments would you want to see and see return in the upcoming Animaniacs reboot? The choices were, with 6%, mime time. So that was at the bottom. Randy Beeman segments were a 7%. Chicken Boo came in uh, 22%, but overwhelmingly 65% said they would like to see the good idea, bad idea segments return in the upcoming Animaniacs reboot. What do you two think? Uh, Kelly, what would you like to see return as kind of a side segment in Animaniacs?
3: I I think I'd go with Randy Beeman.
0: Oh, why do, why do you think Randy Beeman?
3: They're just so short and quirky, and you never know what he's going to say. And so they're, they're just funny.
2: Now, would I, you? Uh, yeah, would you have Colin, the original Colin back, or who would...
3: Well, yeah, I mean, if possible. So, of course, Colin would be older
2: yeah
0: probably <laughs> being his 30s but, or something but
3: yeah but they'd still be you know if if they do it like they did before it'd still be funny.
0: you either have to get colin uh colin uh up there colin wells or i suppose you could also get colin has a son you know these days i think when we talked yeah. to him and he talked about his son being around the right age to voice uh colin now that that would work too so i'm just saying i'm just saying executives <laughs> at warner brothers do the right thing uh nathan what do you think i picked uh chicken boo chicken boo uh,
2: yeah but uh, that's just because i i think those segments are so funny and mm. i think it'd be easy to to do i mean uh, frank welker does the voice of chicken boo right yes but i feel like in theory they may be able to find someone else i don't know i feel like they wouldn't hire chicken uh frank welker to do chicken boo again but um they just hire a idea, real bad chicken. idea i wouldn't want a different voice for that so
0: tom bodette is still doing stuff i mean they could easily get tom bodette he's part of i mean you gotta get tom bodette for good idea bad idea right
2: yeah exactly Um, that's why i'm I'm assuming none of the people are coming back so that's why i was like chicken boo is the one i would want yeah uh well i'm i'm gonna say good idea bad idea but
0: with hesitation i think good idea bad idea especially in today's world is great meme material I mean, it's great promotional stuff. It's easy in a screenshot to show the good idea and the bad idea, and it's a simple joke. Um, I'm hesitant, however, since, you know, Sherry Stoner really came up with the look, I believe, of, uh, Mr. Skullhead, and Sherry Stoner's not on working on the show right now, uh, that that gives me hesitation that come, you know, it, it seems like a personal kind of thing to her, and to have it go on without her, it seems, Seems not right to me, but that would be the thing I would think would be the best. Well,
2: Nathan, what do we have for this week's poll? Okay, so uh, which of these poems featuring all of the Animaniacs, basically, um, which of these are the best? So um, we picked uh, 99 Tunes, uh Paul Revere's Ride, Gunga Dot, and from today's Mighty Wacko at the Bot, Bat, Bot, Bat. <laughs> All right. So those are all, you know, poet poetry
0: uh, related things. They all have the uh the cast. It's it's connected. It's
2: connected. Yeah, whatever, it's close enough. Well you hey, can it's a poll. <laughs> it's a poll,
0: people. You try coming up with polls for eighty five episodes. It's hard. Uh <laughs> so you can let your voice be heard by simply going to twitter.com slash animaniacast or simply search on Twitter for hashtag animaniacast poll. Well, let's go ahead and get to some contact information. Kelly, where can people reach you online if they'd like to say hello? They can
3: email me, kelly, at bigshinyrobot.com, or at me at Twitter, at Yoda Princess, Y-O-D-A, P-R-N-C-S-S, and then I'm Kelly kellyanimaniacast on uh, Discord.
0: That's right, our Discord channel, which is discord.animanicast.com. And now that Kelly's back from the convention and she has her... Uh, you know notifications on she might actually be able to to hear you and you say <laughs> hi to her so, <laughs> so so reach out uh nathan what about you
2: um i'm on discord at nathan at and Animani- something something like that and uh <laughs> twitter j-a-n-g-o-f-t that's me jango that's cool man <laughs> all right and as for the
0: animaniacast we're on twitter and facebook and instagram and you can catch us on every single one of your favorite podcast players if there's a podcast player out there that you're like hey uh, you're not on this thing uh, send us an email animaniacast at retrozap.com and uh, we'll make it right and uh, speaking of retrozap.com We are a proud member of the RetroZap Podcast Network. And uh, you should head over to RetroZap.com today to not only check out a great listing of different articles and stuff like that every single day for your pop culture needs, but also there's a ton of other RetroZap podcasts that you can listen to as well. If you simply simply subscribe to the RetroZap podcast feed, you can get every one of the podcasts delivered straight to your device. It's what I do, and it made me so cool when i did it anyway let's go ahead and close up shop for today so for nathan and kelly this is joey saying good night everybody
2: good night everybody
3: good night everybody
2: A handshake is how we say hello.
1: Would you like to see how we do it? Good night, everybody.